if you could tell young Steven what to do more of and what to do less of, what would it be? Don't go into debt. Yeah. The hardest times of my life were because of self-inflicted debt. I was trying to keep up yeah. with the other kids around me. They're going out on Friday and partying and drinking and they, they own a car. I couldn't afford that stuff, but I have credit cards. <laughs> so sometimes I could buy that stuff. <laughs> Welcome to the Was College Worth It podcast. I'm your host, Amir, a three-time college dropout turned graduate. On this podcast, I explore people's decision to go or not to go to college. I also explore the impact it's had on their lives and their careers. My number one goal here is to unpack their stories and their lessons learned to help you make an informed decision about your education and your career path. It's important to note that the opinions I express here are that of my own and only my own. They are not of the employer that I might have at the time that you're watching this recording. Please subscribe so I can maybe not say that one day. Steven, thank you so much for being here today. I've heard great things about you. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time with me on a Saturday and coming out here. What are you up to today for work? Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me. Uh, pleasure to be here. What am I up to today? I've actually started my own LLC. Uh, Big Rock Analytics. And I use that as a vehicle to offer my consulting services in the space of business intelligence uh, to clients around the world. Although I, I aim to pick up clients in the States um, and then just do remote work for them. So I focus on the areas of data visualization, which is generally Tableau is where my specialty lies and data engineering. Oh, anything from, from SQL to uh, GUI-based tools like Alteryx. Excellent. What did you study in college? Hospitality management. I went to school to be a bartender. Okay. We're, we're going to dive into that uh, right after a series of questions. <laughs> did you end up graduating? I did not. I did a year and a half of a two-year program at Vancouver Community College. Um, and uh, at that point, I secured full-time, uh, you know, Monday to Friday management level employment and okay. just switched over to that. So I didn't graduate. How old were you when you went? I took a year off after high school. So I, I started college uh, 19 and, and then I was there for, for a year and a half. Okay. So a uh, year and a half. Now on a scale of one to 10 and you can't pick seven, was it worth it for you? If, if I had to do it again, I, I would absolutely do it again. I Was it worth it? Yes. It's a 10. There's there's no part of, of what I did in, in college um, that I regret. Um, or that I would say I wish I hadn't done so for sure. So what's something that would have made it a lower number? Like what would have brought it down to an eight or six? If, if I hadn't gotten the employment that I expected at the end, that would have okay. been, you know, that, that would have just deflated me and crushed me. I mean, the, the successes that I had early on and being able to achieve some of those uh, goals that I had going in were, were achieved right away. They were immediately tangible to me. And if, if I hadn't met those goals, I don't know what that would have done to me. That, that would have crushed my, my motivation and confidence and belief in myself. So that would drastically okay. reduce the number. So, yeah. So let's actually dive into that. Uh, what made you want to pick that in the, in the first place as like your focus mm -hmm. of study? I bounced around a lot of different ideas when I was in high school as to where I thought I might want to go and what I might want to study. I, I, I look back now and I think, gee, I was, I was pretty naive. Like I didn't know what you could get out of college. I know you, oh, you go to college to become a professional, maybe a, an accountant or a lawyer or a doctor. Um, but there was so much that I didn't know. 
I had, I had some friends that went to university to take engineering degrees. I had no idea what that meant. I didn't know what they would be studying or what they would come out of, of university and actually do as a job. I just knew they were taking engineering classes. Um, so there's a multitude of things I just had no idea about at the time. I was big into um, music. Um, I was, uh, maybe see it in the background there. I, I was a trumpet player in, in high school. And I thought, oh, maybe I'd do something related to that. And I, I couldn't see a career coming out of that. Um, but I got it into my head, oh, maybe it would be neat to figure out how to run a business. And I'll, I'll, I'll open up a restaurant or a bar and I'll be able to have live music. And, and that'll be part of my life. Conversations then with the guidance counselor in, in high school led to, oh, well, there's, there's this hospitality management uh, program that could lead into a, a four-year a uh, bachelor of commerce degree. I still have no idea what a bachelor of commerce degree would actually do, but um, <laughs> that she printed off some paperwork for me with, you know, this was the, the, the community college that has it in the course and where it could transfer to. Um, I knew that I, I probably couldn't jump right into university from a financial perspective. I just, I wasn't going to be able to afford it. Um, but community college seemed viable. And I okay. took those papers and I shoved them in a drawer. Um, got out of college or sorry, got out of high school. And I, I wasn't ready to, to jump in. Didn't again, still didn't quite have the funds for it, but I worked for a year. Um, and then it was, it was about August of, of the next year. And I realized, gee, that deadline's coming. I'm either going to do it now, or I'm going to miss a whole nother year. And I went, I found that paperwork and I, you know, still had it saved. And I thought, yeah, there's still time to, to get in here before the deadline. And I applied it to Vancouver community college. Uh, got into that program and thought, okay, well, let's let's just see where this this takes me, right? Uh, I'm, I'm very interested in your your decision making there with because um, you mentioned it a couple times with I uh, didn't want to pay for it. Like, were hmm. did you at any point consider taking on student debt? I did. I didn't really know how. Okay. Again, back to the whole like just like naivety and 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 lack of awareness. I had I didn't know how to take on student debt. Um, I was the I was the oldest child in in my family, so the first one to attempt to go uh, to, yeah. to higher education, and so I there was nobody I could ask or that I felt like I could I could ask. Um, yeah, yeah, just lack of awareness. So, so no student debt. I thought well, it didn't. I didn't know how that could even be an option for me. So I just tried to save up. And and back then, I mean, community college was like twenty five hundred for like a year, which I, I look back now and I go, gee, it was cheap. But to like eighteen, nineteen year old me, that 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 was really expensive, right? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of what it was. That's, um, uh, it's probably for the better, <laughs> to be honest. I think with, so. <laughs> uh, right. Um, I'm, there's two things I'm kind of laughing about right now. One is, uh, I think this is just like a couple of years ago. I looked, I Googled, like, what does an engineer do? Like I work with them, but like, <laughs> what is like yeah. the education of it? Like, it, it sounds like it's just essentially problem solving and how to solve problems mm -hmm. in whatever specialty. Um, so kind of laughed so at that. And Take me to um, that year and a half point where you decided not to finish the two years. What were you like? What was your inner dialogue like as you were going through that decision making process? Um, I'm to answer that. I'm going to rewind about six months okay. at the end of the first year of of college. The the college brought in uh, industry, so hiring managers 
to um, perform for the first year students, uh, you know, interviews, see if, if, if they could land any, any employment out of that. But it was primarily for the, the second year students who were graduating to, to get employment. Well, they encouraged you, they said, you'll sign up for two, three interviews and you get a feel for this. You get a sense of, of what interviews are going to be like. And then when you do this in your second year, hopefully you can land something. Well, I signed up for, I think, 16 or 17 interviews. I was back to back to back over three days. I just interviewed, 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 interviewed. I went to them all. And I had a couple where they were like, great, like maybe we've we've got an opportunity here for you. And there were some follow ups, um, but they would have meant leaving college right away. And I wasn't mm -hmm. I wasn't I wasn't ready to do that at that point. Um, but I got an offer with a hotel chain, uh, Fairmont Hotels, and they were looking for a graveyard shift uh, in room dining room service um, uh, position. Okay. And that I realized would allow me to continue through school the next year, working nights, making enough money to, to keep paying for things. And so I accepted that, uh, that job. So worked all through the summer doing the graveyards. Next year, school starts up again in September. I'm still doing graveyards. Um, and it was about halfway through the year there where um, they offered me an opportunity to move to days. And they said, if you move to days, a couple of things are going to happen. One you go to the bottom of the seniority list and you get the worst shifts or we can promote you to supervisor and supervisors get full-time work. Okay. I, it was a no brainer. I said, the whole point of me going through this college thing really for me was, was financial and career and let's get a real job. I wanted to get out of retail and I was selling shoes before this um, at a, at a sport check. Nothing against sport check. It was a fun job, but it just did pay the bills. Yeah. Um, I wanted something where I could, you know, see myself moving up. And I thought right away, I've, I've already got trajectory here, right? Yeah. Off graveyard going into supervisor position. Um, yeah, I just, I, I jumped at it. I said that it is what it is. Um, if I want to finish school later, maybe that'll happen, but this is great. This is where I want to be right now. So I took that role and quit uh, college without another thought. Yeah. It, it sounds like you had a very clear goal with college. As opposed to just, oh, this seems like the net natural next step. I don't know. Maybe I'll take engineering. I don't really know what I'm going to do. So as soon as that opportunity came up, you struck, which was excellent. Which Fairmont, by the way? Fairmont Waterfront. Um, Across the street from the Pan Pacific where the where the cruise ships come in. Um, okay. The, the individual that hired me, um, James Quinn. Uh, okay. he, it's funny. After that interview at BCC, because yeah. I was interviewing for a, like a daytime position. But he yeah. came out, he ran out into the hallway afterwards, after I'd left. And he said, wait, wait, wait. He said, I, I can't get you for this role, but we're going to need somebody for graveyards in, in a little bit. He said, would you be interested? And he followed up with me on that and gave me that opportunity. And I, I'm forever grateful to him and you know the rest of the, the rest of the team at the waterfront. That was, I look back at my career and the, the, I was there for another year um, okay. during the, like the supervisor position. Um, best place I've ever worked at most, just amazing group of, of people to, to be working with. Um, if I could work anywhere, like now I would just go back. That could be my, my, my semi-retirement gig. And I would just love to work in a, in a hotel like that again with, with those folks. Take me through that. So you have a, you spent a year there. So what was the next step for you afterwards? And why'd you make that decision? Yeah. Well, it, so back to bartending. I, so I'm, I'm doing room service, right? Um, when I worked on the graveyard shift, 
um, our cook would leave at 11 p.m. And so any, anybody who calls down a food order after that, I was in the kitchen. I'll, I'll put together a pizza for you or a clubhouse or nachos or salad or whatever it is. Um, nothing super fancy, but I could I could do the basics in the kitchen. And those skills, right, those skills came out of ECC, right? Vancouver Community College. We did we had a cooking class there in the first year where, uh, you know, learned the basics around the kitchen. We ran a little restaurant in the college, right? One, one day uh, a week, you you know, it was one day you're a waiter, next day you're a cook, next day you're the bartender. Um, I That goal of mine was learning bartending and that that had still stuck with me so i wanted to figure out how to do that um but still you know 19 of 20 around this time still a young kid basically in in, in the eyes of fairmont right it's a nice polished place right yeah. they want you know good respectful looking professionals uh you know as the face they were fine to have me in you know the back of the house or doing room service but they they weren't ready to put me on the bar or, or in the restaurant. They wanted folks with like years of fine dining experience before you could get to that position. And I thought, well, if I want to do something that's that fun, right, that, that bartending experience, I'm going to need to go somewhere else to do it. Hmm. So I started looking at options in Vancouver. Um, again, kept running into the, you don't quite have the experience we're looking for, right? If you want to yeah. be a bartender, you have to have bartending experience. Is that trap of you need experience yeah. to get experience. Yeah. Well, I had a friend in Calgary, uh, Alberta, um, who was telling me just how easy it was to get jobs. You could walk in anywhere, they said, and 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 you can just walk off the street and you'll get a job. Just just knock on the door, they'll hire you anywhere. Um, and Calgary was also one of the locations, U of C, that accepted credits from Vancouver Community College. Wow. So I thought, oh, well, maybe I can go to Calgary, get a job, get into bartending, save some cash, and then I can transfer to USC and, and maybe one day I'll finish that, that degree that I started. Um, so that was how I transitioned to the, to the next phase as I, I packed a box, hopped on a Greyhound um, out to Calgary, uh, crashed at my buddy's house. Uh, you know, him and his dad took me in on the couch for a little while um, until I found a little rental and I got into the restaurant uh, industry here. Um, worked my way up from busser to waiter through to bartender and uh, spent a couple of years bartending uh, for a Moxie's uh, oh. restaurant, downtown Calgary. What was it about bartending that appealed to you? It Before I had done it, it just sounded fun. Yeah. Right. It, yeah. Social. Time, right? Yeah. It, yeah. Just, when I was, I'll tell you where it came from. I, and I remember the first time that I thought I want to do that. It was my 16th birthday. I, I got to pick. My parents let me choose. They said, whatever restaurant you want to go to, we'll take you there. And at that time, I thought uh, the Cactus Club Cafe would be the coolest place I could go to for my 16th. <laughs> so we go to the Cactus Club Cafe, and uh, they said, why don't you go sit at the bar and have, have a birthday drink? And I said, okay. So I, you know, I sat at the bar. It was just me, right? And I sat there, and there are two, two uh, bartenders, um, you know, and they're jiving back and forth, these two guys, like, telling jokes and banter um, and, you know, flipping glasses and, like, catching ice and whatever. And I just watching these two guys and I'm like, I'm in awe of it. I'm going like, they're just having a blast. They're having so much fun. I want to do that. And that thought, it, it never left me. It never left me. Um, so I did it. I, you know, um, yeah, that drove that. so funny how these kind of early interactions in our developing years just kind of form our like, oh, like you keep looking back at that. And I, I completely understand whenever I'm at the bar and you see the bartenders like they just look like they're having a blast and having a good time like, yeah. and they're working. Like what was that Tom Cruise movie? Cock cocktail? Um I think there was one with Tom Cruise. The same sort of thing, right? He's doing all the bar flare and flipping the bottles and I never got to got to that level, but in any case, I still had fun. 
knowing Tom Cruise is probably going to remake it and crush it. So. <laughs> probably. <laughs> um, with uh, so after bartending, um, I'm trying to see this kind of this hop to the the business analytics side. So, like, yeah. what, what did you do after bartending then? So bartending for what, maybe a year and a half with Moxie's. Um, I was as much fun as I was having, right. And, and as good money as it was, I was making good money downtown Calgary. Um, I wasn't saving a penny, Hmm. not, it was as fast as I could earn it. I was spending it. Well, cause what are you going to do? Right. It's you finish work at one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, right. You go over to a buddy's house, you party, you have more drinks. Um, you know, it, there was no. I, re- I realized for me anyways, there was no future in it. I, I, I considered going back to like, oh, you know, do I try Fairmont again, fine dining, make a career of that. Um, I looked at managers that, that I knew in, in, in the industry and I was like, that's not what I want. Like I'm, I'm looking mm-hmm. ahead at like, what's the next level? And I'm going, well, that's, that doesn't seem like what I, what I want out of life. They're still working those late shifts, right? Uh, they're dealing with all this stress. I, the money didn't seem great. I thought I got to find something else. And so I talked to a few friends that had, I'd known through Moxie's that had found different jobs outside of hospitality. And one of them ended up uh, in a call center at TELUS, um, big employer here in, uh, in Calgary. And they were telling me, you know, it's great. Guaranteed shifts, no split shifts. Like you have, you're not on your feet all day. You get to sit in a nice comfy chair. You're answering phone calls. If nobody's yelling at you, and if they are, I mean, well, you put them on a timeout, put them on hold. You don't get to do that in the restaurant. You just got to keep smiling and take it, right? I love that. That's a tactic. Um, so I, th- I thought, okay. I said, you know, office job, let's let's try it. Let's try it. And it, again, market out here was still so, like, I'm so lucky that, that I, in a lot of ways, privileged to just be able to get jobs like that. Um, I went online. I looked up TELUS, looked at their careers. I saw customer service and sure, click, click, click. Here's a resume, apply, done. Get a phone okay. call two weeks later. Hey, you want to come in for an interview, do an aptitude assessment? Um, and they would they would bring in like two dozen people at once. Put you all in a room, put a computer in front of you. And they just make sure that you know how to use a mouse and a keyboard. Like the questions they were asked were things like, do you know what Alt-Tab does? Okay. Can you use a mouse? What's your words per minute? Like these basic things. Yeah, and... they timed you. They did. There was there was a screen with a little right. And how many spelling mistakes are you going to make? Those those kind of things. Again, I I took a computer class in VCC. Um, okay. Even I mean, going all the way back to high school, you did basic computer stuff there. Uh, you know, my dad taught me a little bit about Excel, uh, Microsoft Excel. He was an, a a CPA, an accountant. Oh, okay. Uh, so I knew a little bit about you know oh, I can create a formula and all right. Um, so I was comfortable with, with a computer and they said, yeah, great. We'll, we'll hire you into the, um, uh, wholesale, uh, department. And I was like, wholesale. wholesale. All right. Like when they said this, I'm not kidding you. I thought I was going to be working in a warehouse. <laughs> so we, we do wholesale. This is the wholesale too. division. And I'm going, I'm like, I thought I applied for customer service. <laughs> so I'm going like, what am I going to do in a warehouse? Like, am I going to drive a forklift and like move telephone equipment around? Like I'm envisioning like a pallet full of the yellow pages that I have to like put on a shelf. And I'm like, but so I sat there in the interview and I didn't ask. I was too embarrassed. I just, I just, I'm okay. Yeah, I can, I, I can start on, on Monday doing wholesale. 
I don't know what that is. Like your voice. Yeah. Has no clue. No clue. Um, okay. It turned out they had a division where they they tell us resells their services through other providers. Some agreements and uh, whatnot that they have with the CRTC that uh, you know if they own a line another they can resell that line to another uh another service provider or rent it to them and then that service provider can sell it to an end customer something about market competition right you can't have a monopoly and you know cut everybody out so anyways that was the department that i ended up working in and for the american listeners crtc is a canadian Uh, radio television what's that last c i should know this telecommunication crt telecommunication i think it's like counselor I'm going to have to Google it to find out. I should yeah. know, right? I worked in telecom for like 10 years, but they're, they're the regulatory body for, for telecom. I, I, I should really know because I went to school for communications and this was like a constant <laughs> thing. So I'm, clearly I don't, didn't recall that. Um, if, I, if I can slip in here, one thing I actually really mm-hmm. love about your approach here and something that um, I wish I did more earlier was that you actually looked ahead of the curve and went, hey, where? what am I trajecting towards? And do I want that lifestyle and like everything you're kind of holistically looking at it? Do you still like, where'd you get that from? hundred percent. I'm, I'm always looking at the guy or gal up the ladder for me to figure out if that's really where I want to go or if I need to do something laterally. I, it's funny to hear you vocalize it. Cause as soon as you say it, I'm like, oh yeah, like that's, I'm always doing that. And I've always done that. I'm always looking at like, okay, I'm, I'm this role. What's the next role? And is that role really going to make me happy? Cause not yeah. my effort needs to be put elsewhere. Right. Yeah. Or it's the effort's going to be a struggle to put in, in the first yeah. place. Cause you know, what's ahead of you. Okay. Yep. So you're in the call center and then you're, how long did you do that for before you kind of moved ahead? There was actually, this was actually a really quick move. I, I remember going back home after the first couple of shifts and talking to my, uh, my roommates, um, and commenting on it, some of them were still at, at, in, in the restaurant business in, in Moxie's there. And I said, you know, the, the hardest part of this new job now is, is staying awake. It was so mm-hmm. mind numbingly boring. It was basically data entry, right? You'd get one screen would come up with a, a customer order and another screen would come up and you'd literally just have to type and transpose from one to another. Uh, and you do that all day with as much overtime as, as, as they would let you have or as you could work until you fall asleep. And I just, it was, it was draining me, but I knew there would be other opportunities that came from this. So I just sort of slogged through it. Um, I actually only did it for six months before the next opportunity presented itself. Um, but this is maybe, this may be an interesting one. If are we okay to, to take a few minutes and I'll talk about how this kind of material. Absolutely. Yep. I, I want to hear like the, the path and, and <laughs> okay. how I, we made these leaps. So some of the, I, I was actually, I was able now to draw on some of the skills that I picked up through, through college, primarily that computer course. We took a, there was, there was one class, I can't, I can't remember the exact name of it, but we learned the Microsoft systems in a bit more detail, Excel, Word, PowerPoint, and Access. Okay. And I remember in college kind of glossing over the idea of Microsoft Access, like a database. What? They didn't give it a very, I, at least for me, um, there was nothing interesting about the way the college presented what you could do with a database. I, I think we like cataloged a bunch of hmm. customers and their addresses and their names and like built two tables and joined them. It just, it went over my head at the time, but now in a corporate environment, I started to see the potential for that. Early in my training, as I said, we were doing data entry, right? Yeah. Order comes up, you have to type it in another screen. One of the things that we always had to do in the entry system was enter um, our, our company's billing information, right? Tell us, 
411 First Street, Calgary, Alberta, postal code, and, and then a dollar amount because we, we always charged a fixed fee for, for doing these orders. You type it in. It was always on the same page, same field, same spots. Somebody years ago, because this is a system that was probably like built in the 80s or something like that. It was an old IBM uh, mainframe uh, system. Yeah. Someone had recorded what I was told was a macro. The macro recorded keystrokes and then could replay them at the click of a button. So it, somebody hit record and typed 411 First Street, enter. And then that was that was saved as a macro. Now there's a button that you can push that will type those keys for you whenever you want. Now, I asked, I said, well, how come we don't have more macros? Why, like, how, do, how did this get built? Someone built it. Like, what's going on under the hood? And my supervisor at the time goes, I, Stephen, like, we don't know. We're just, just yeah. take what's just, on that screen and type it in that screen. <laughs> if you can use that macro for the address, great. Otherwise, like, just, just get your work done. Like I said, hardest part of the job was staying awake. I could hammer through my targets in about half a day. I could get all the orders that I, you know, I needed to achieve to seem productive done in about half a day. Now, if I kept that up over, you know, a year, two years, three years, I probably would have burned myself out, but new guy, right? You want to show, okay, let's just hammer this stuff out. But that left me the rest of the day to kind of go, well, do I want to just push out more work for the sake of it? Or do I want to learn something? Yeah. Up in the top right-hand corner of that IBM mainframe system, was a help menu. I pushed the help button and up came all the documentation and I searched macro. And then I started to find things like VBA. I don't know what VBA is. Visual Basic for Applications. Very, very simple scripting language. It can record keystrokes, which I already knew it can do, but it could also take um, programmatic inputs, right? I didn't know anything about that but at the time, but I was able to do enough to figure out that I could go to the incoming order screen, Hit control C, which copied everything to my clipboard. And then I could run a VBA macro that interacts not just with the IBM mainframe system, but also any other Microsoft product like Excel. It could paste my clipboard into Excel. It could simulate keystrokes that created formulas that transposed the inputs into you know, the formatting that I needed them to be in. It could control C and copy back out of Excel go back to the mainframe system and control V and paste the inputs back into that mainframe system and hit enter for me. And I got it to a point where all I had to do, I couldn't figure out the full automation, but I would just have to alt tab, go to the input screen or uh, the, the mainframe system and run my macro. And it would do one order for me in a couple of seconds. And so my new job was just pushing the mouse every three seconds. I would go click, 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 Click. And that was my new job. Now, I didn't tell anybody I was doing this. <laughs> That's my question. So this is going to lead, yeah, this leads to sort of the next, uh, the next thing. One day, my director and my supervisor, her desk's about two behind mine. I hear them talking and I'm just sitting there. I click, click, click. And I hear my Steven, duh, 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 click, click. Not, not possible to click, click. No, he wouldn't do that. Duh, click, click. No, 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 no. It's, it's not him. Anyway, and they're heated, like they're talking, you know, like under their breath a little bit, but it's, it's a heated conversation and my name's in there. And I know I'm like, Oh, I broke something. I know I broke something. I don't know what it is, but I know my macros, they messed something up. And I'm like, I'm already going red in the face thinking about it. 
director walks back past my desk, doesn't even turn to look at me, slaps her hand on my desk. She says, my office now. And she just keeps walking, doesn't even look at me. So I swallow, I'm like, Kate, it's been, uh, been about three months I've been in this role. I tried out working in an office. I guess I'm going back to the restaurant industry. I'm, I'm going to go get fired for the first time. So I'm like, I'm shaking. I, right. I'm just, I'm not, oh, okay. I'm Take like a breath. I go into her office. This. She's sitting there at her desk, like just stern faced, right? Like she's close the door, sit down. And she hands me a slip of paper. She says, and on it, she's got uh, different people on the team and their um, productivity metrics. Okay. How many orders the team does in a given month or um, uh, in a week. And she says, Stephen, she says, these are the orders that the team did last month. This is our most senior member of the team. And this is the number of orders that they did. It was like, I don't know, a, a thousand or 1500 orders or something like that. Yeah. And then she says, this is your name. And these are the orders that are assigned to your ID. And it was like double the most <laughs> productive member of the team. And she goes, I'm not, she says, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to understand this. She says, because, um, you know, we've had issues in the past where we pay uh, commission or bonuses based on productivity or orders per, per hour. Um, but we, we don't do that anymore. And, and, you know, we're all one team and, you know, everybody's work just, just, we're all here to help each other out. So I don't understand why one person would have the bulk of the orders on the team or why these are all showing up under your ID. I realized she thought that I was, that I'd found a way to steal other people's orders. She thought I was putting my ID on their work to take credit for it. That's, oh, oh I started to feel a whole lot better Oh yeah, because I was about to surprise her. I said, look, I said, um, those are my orders. She said, Stephen, that's not possible. possible. <laughs> And so I told her, I said, I, uh, I wrote a macro that does my orders for me. And she got like, her jaw just drops. She's like, you did a what? What's a macro? I, I wrote a little program that just, all I have to do is just push enter and it does my orders for me. She's close. She just stopped. She's like, show me, <laughs> go back to my desk and I pull it up and I'm like, click. <laughs> And it just also blurs through all the screens, right? She's like, again, I'm like, click. Again. <laughs> and it just does again. the order. <laughs> She's like, okay, carry on. And she goes back to her desk. Next day I come in, she's got a $100 gift card to the keg sitting for, in, a, in a little envelope for me. That's awesome. I just, yeah, my head was like kind of, my hands were actually sweating when you like told her she slammed her hand on the desk and oh, like, I was anticipating, like, what do they think? Do they I think you're kind of positive? I was getting fired. Yeah, that was. Yeah, like if I was in their shoes, I had no idea about this. Like, would they? Would they? Maybe you put this over, like, you hired someone overseas to do this overnight? Because, like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, that is so funny. Did she? I'm curious. Did she come to you and go, "Can you show everyone else how to do this," or was she more like? Or did she ask, have you brought this up with somebody? That was the next conversation was, you know, is this something that other people on the team can, can do? And I, 
I've sort of simplified or embellished a little bit here. I, there was still some semi-guided manual intervention with this macro, right? I, you know, yeah. different orders, you know, oh, hang on, it's only going to automate, you know, eight out of 10 screens. And then you got to pause and you got to do this thing. You got to check for X, check for Y, because I couldn't figure out how to program that in. So it was manually guided automation, right? Yeah. Um, I said, yeah, I could, I could show other people on the team how to do it, but... Um, one of the one of the team members that sat beside me um, had been in the job for I think the average um, tenure of employee in this department at the time was twenty four years. That was the average tenure in this role. What? Um, most of the people were like this far away from retirement. I remember the gal across from me had a uh, a timer on her desk that, that just was counting down the seconds until she could retire. And it was six months away, but it was still clicking every day. So they're just racing out the clock, right? Or waiting out the clock. I said, yeah, I can, I can tell them about this, but I, half of them don't have computers at home. When they started their careers, we didn't have monitors. Like they just had these little, like little teleprompts, right? That are they going to be able to adopt this? Mm. Probably not. I did share it with a few. I documented the work. I took screenshots and wrote out instructions, but it still required a level of troubleshooting, right? What happens when you hit an anomaly? Do you yeah. just push the macro button again? No, you have to pause and think and troubleshoot and problem solve. And that that wasn't going to happen with everybody on, on the team. Some of them, for sure. They were they were more than happy to take it and run with it. But as a, as a collective group, nah. They just wanted their overtime. Yeah. Right? They wanted to do their <laughs> manual orders and, and get paid by the hour. Uh, I can't fault them for that. So ultimately, I, I don't think they really adopted it. Um, but it did lead into conversations then with the director to say, well, where else can you add value to the team? Right? Interesting. This isn't the area where we really need your thought. Um, but it opened the whole world. I, I'd never seen that, that, that KPI performance report before. Somebody was measuring productivity and what the team was doing. Um, and all of a sudden performance analysis was, you know, brought into my world. And I, I, I got a chance to learn about it, talk to the business analysts that were putting those reports together, the databases and the SQL that they used to pull it um, all became things that were uh, available to me to, to learn. And so I, six months in that role, I transitioned into my very first uh, business analyst role, uh, working with our, our PA performance analysis team. Okay. The, I, and I want to continue on from there, but before I kind of mm -hmm. want to reflect on something here, which is when you actually took that macro to, who did you take it to? That was like, just do your job. The, the director. Yeah. The, the director. So that ability just, you know, when, when someone tells you, no, Steven, just do this. And you kind of going. Oh, at that time. No. Yeah. That was my, my soup at the time. Yeah. My supervisor was okay. like, this is, yeah, this is the scope of your role. Like we have job aids. They say, do step one, step two, step three, just, just follow the job aid. That was my, my direct uh, okay. supervisor. Yeah. Cause I know a lot of people that would have just been like, all right, well, shoot. All right. Well, I guess I'm doing my job then here we go. But you looked at the help icon and went, it seems like you went, screw this. I'm going to find yeah. something better to do. Where did you get that from? Boredom. Okay. Boredom. I maybe the, I I don't know how else to describe it. I, I mean it when I say the hardest part of that job was staying awake. I had to find something to keep me engaged, or I was going to quit this job. I I'm coming from a, a role as a as a bartender as a waiter where I'm working six days at least a week, sometimes yeah. seven. I'm always on my feet. Go 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 go. There's always this sense of urgency. 
And this job had none of that. I had to do something to keep myself engaged. So, so learning and practicing and trying and problem solving were things that were able to keep me engaged. And so that was what, what opened uh, that up for me. I'll cut off this topic before we go to the next one, but I, I've, I've heard a big critique of like, you know, the constant social media or always having your phone is that you don't actually have boredom anymore to get creative. And that sounds mm. like a great example of it, but that's a whole nother topic to dive into. I, well, you know what? It's an interesting point. I mean, if I'd had a smartphone on the side of my desk, maybe I wouldn't have gone into the help files. Maybe I would have just been browsing YouTube or Reddit and, you know, I'd pound out my orders. I've, I've been productive. I got my quota for the day. Let's just so, browse the internet. Yeah. Yeah. A, I, that wasn't an option for me at the time. Right. I still had like one of those little Nokia, uh, brick little phones. Oh, you know, you yeah. play snake on it. I yeah. Suppose, that, was, right? that was my first thought. Snake. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> so, um, so as for the business analyst role, so what was that first day? Like, were you kind of going in like, what do I, what do I do? Like, <laughs> like what, what's Ter on? terrifying. It was terrifying. I, you know, I still had to interview on it, right? The director introduced me to different leaders in the department. She said, oh, you know, uh, this, this fellow over here, he's running our, our performance reports. Um, and so I asked him, I said, well, if you were going to interview someone for this role, what kind of questions would you ask during the interview or what skills would you be looking for? And, and he mentioned, you know, well, I need someone who can work in Excel. I need someone who understands pivot tables. Yeah. I need someone who can, you know, uh, you know, find attention to detail. And I, I picked up on the pivot tables because I'd never heard of that before. I didn't know what a pivot table was. I probably slept. I'm sure VCC covered it to their credit. They must have. But I slept through that or I was at the bar. Um, <laughs> but I went home. I YouTubed it. What is a pivot table? And I, I grabbed some data and I put it in Excel and I put it in a pivot table. And I was, oh, okay, that's kind of a neat thing. You can summarize, you can aggregate, you can yeah. filter. Okay, cool. I took some screenshots of that. Um, and then when I, when I went in the next day, I, um, I went back to, um, this is so long ago. Some of it's a bit fuzzy, but I remember a conversation with again, again, and I, I shared like a PowerPoint where I'd taken some screenshots of what I'd done with pivot tables. Okay. Um, I'm sure it was a horrible presentation, but he's like, Oh, he's like, we just talked about that. And I said, yeah, I said, had you done them before? I said, I said, no, I said, I, I went home and I, I learned about them because I, I wanted to see if it was going to be something I could do all day. If you're telling me that's going to be a, the bulk of my work, I want to at least make sure that it's somewhat interesting. Um, and I said, yeah, I, I feel like I could pick this up and it would be a, a really interesting role. I'd, I'd love to take part. And so we did a formal interview and, and, uh, and uh, he was kind enough to give me an opportunity there. Oh, awesome. So how, how long did you um, yeah. actually work in that BA role for? The BA role... Um, I th think that was another six months to maybe okay. a year, somewhere between six months and a year. I was in that role. Um, a couple of things led me to leave early. Um, then I, I otherwise, otherwise might've stayed. Um, I was homesick, right? I'm still living in Calgary. I'm still a yeah. pretty young guy. I'm, I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm in the office. I've, I've got an office gig. This is going okay. But is it career? I didn't know yet. Um, and I was homesick, you know, all my yeah. family's back in BC. Um, mm -hmm. my girlfriend at the time, her family was back in BC. Um, we decided, you know what, let's, let's see if, if things could work out back in BC. So we, we decided to, to quit work in, in Calgary and go back to BC. Um, but there were a couple other things I think in my mind as to why I left that role. 
um, again, it, your your insight there as to you know me looking ahead. We had um, different levels to the business analyst role. Um, yeah. You know, I was you know level one, and then there's level two, and then there's senior, and then there's like consultants above that. And I I remember talking to some of the folks at the senior level. And, and gleaning out like where their salary bands might be. Yeah. Um, nobody was quite willing to open up to, to all of that, but I kind of got the sense like, okay, I'm going to need to put in a good 10 years before I'm maybe to the, to the level that I want. Yeah. Um, I remember talking to some folks though, who mentioned it was difficult to get time off, um, you know, working over holidays, working weekends, working nights, um, not getting time off when they had a child, um, and I mm. thought, oh, I don't know if that's the environment for me. No. Um, I looked at our level two, uh, one of the fellows who was sort of mid-level. And I said, well, how, how long have you been mid-level? Oh, and, you know, they'd been mid-level for, I don't know, four or five years. And when was the last time you got a raise that was meaningful? And I, I started to see that it was very slow progression up the ladder. And I thought, I got to find a way to expedite things because yeah. I don't want to wait around for five, 10 years. So I, I felt comfortable leaving um you know um and, and trying something new because i was like i'm not i'm not on a fast track to anything here it's all interesting stuff it's cool to learn i i got to learn about more about excel more vba pivot tables um i got introduced to databases and i learned that i learned that sql existed i didn't know what sql was at the at the time but i knew it was a way you could interact with databases and i thought well that's kind of interesting there might be something there for me um but nothing was moving as fast as I wanted it to move. So I, I felt, yeah, I, we can do something different. So that's awesome. uh, that role. Yeah, I left after about um, less than a year, more than maybe six months, though, I think. Outstanding. And just for the, the listeners who are kind of confused as to what SQL is, um, I actually just talked to a friend who's like very non-technical. And the, the way mm -hmm. I kind of explained it to him was he wants to build a website that has like weird, quirky, hockey goalie stats. And yeah. right. So I told him, well, SQL would be the language that would pull from the NHL database and you would just tell it in a very natural language. This, these are the things I want. These are the averages, the sums, and it's just a written out form. Is that a good summary of like what, what it is? Structured, structured query language. Yeah. It's, it's just okay. a way that, that allows us to, to talk to a database or a, yeah. or a data structure. Right. Okay. So. <laughs> Did you say six months uh, in the first job in the in the the six months in that uh, um, wholesale uh, division doing doing data entry and then yeah about six to twelve months in that first BA role. So you out you outdid that twenty four year average by a long shot in the first time. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, I brought, the, I brought their average down. Yeah. <laughs> um, the the second one, what I'm actually curious about is like, did you? It sounds like you actually went to people and had a conversation with them. Was it just kind of off the I hip? did. It, I was I was encouraged to do that by the director. Okay. And and she went as far as as introducing me then to to different managers and leaders within her organization to say like you know would you mind sharing with Stephen like what's a day in the life of your role? Yeah. And so I met with you know customer service managers, project uh, program managers. Um, team managers, and uh, ultimately this, uh, the, the performance analysis team. Um, and I thought, no, 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 this is where, yeah, this is okay. I can crunch numbers in Excel. I can, I can do that. That that's going to be, that's going to be fun for me. 
Okay. That, I know it's not for everybody. You, I, I mentioned the other job, the CSR job was boring and hard to stay awake. You put Excel in front of me and say, Stephen, play in Excel all day. I'm like, it, that's a video game for me. Let's go. I'm Playground. Like, yeah, now I'm engaged. Yeah, I have very relatable experience to that as well, but we'll, I'll say that for after the call. Um, it, I, I just want to call it awesome move by the director to actually look out for, hey, talk to this person, talk to this of course. person, talk to this person. Um, that's a good sign of um, a good leader, I would say, that's yeah. trying to yeah. raise you up. So performance analysis was where you went next. So let's let's go through that. What was that like? Sure. Um it was, like I said, it was scary to start, um, but our, the, the seniors on the team they had a, a very organized process, right? Every month was the same thing. It was, you know, by this date on this month, we need to know what last month's results were. These are the key performance indicators or the metrics that uh, we need to find a way to get. We need to compile them into these scorecards and we need to present these scorecards to various leaders, point out trends, point out outliers, um, dive into any discrepancies and, and resolve any, um, data issues. Um, yeah. and so my job was to fill in the blanks where, where this, you know, just offload some of the tasks that the seniors on the team had as, as the team, uh, was growing and their responsibilities were growing. They just sent me the grunt work. Right. Um, and they said, you know, Steven, we know you've, you've been picking up this, this VBA skill. Take a look. Is there anything that you can help us automate? Right. Oh, okay. Sure. I'll give me an opportunity to learn and just try new things. Right. Um, talking to the teams like in, in IT that were managing the backend databases and have conversations with them about like, I need a new KPI or I need data on this KPI. How can I get it? Um, and at that point they would just, they would write a query for me. They say, Steven, here's your query, push play, right? push your button and yeah. the query will spit out your result. I didn't know what the queries were doing, right? Selects and joins and window functions, like all completely over my head. Um, but I, um, I saw there was a, there was a paid website back then called Experts Exchange, um, where you could type in technical questions, kind of like Stack Overflow today. Okay, it was a subscription service, right? Yeah. Um, so I would go. I would. I'd, I would say like, I have a database that kind of has, you know, these, these fields in it and this structure to it. And I need to find a way of, to extract, you know, X and Y. And somebody replies, they're like, oh, have you tried this? And I go, I don't know what a join is. Like, I, I don't, I, no education is whatsoever, but okay, try this and, you know, do some back and forth. And sure enough, eventually I could get close to it where I could take it back to my senior or back to IT and say, I think I need this. Can we try this? And they go, yeah, okay, let's, let's give that a shot. Um, so it was a lot of learning and trial and error. Um, it was I, a really good first uh, role in that analytic space. It was it was a great opportunity for learning. Okay, so it sounds like you're really forging that skill set there and really getting into what the mar the skills that the market is demanding at that given time. Um, so what was yeah. the what was next after that? Well, that was, so this is where I said, I, I quit and I moved to BC for, uh, for a year. Okay. Wanted to see, you know, like I said, me being homesick, yeah. um, job market back in BC, this was 2008. Um, I think, oh. <laughs> um, bad year, terrible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was a terrible year to make a career change. Um, it did not work out at all very well. I, my girlfriend and I were living in my mom's garage for the first six months. Um, like a laneway? No, garage? it was not like... good. 
like literally, yes, we we put drywall up where the where the garage door was. We 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 got an old roll of carpet and laid it out across the cement. Um, stuck a bed and a couch and a dresser and a TV in there, and that's where we camped out for six months, trying to find work and and you know housing that we could actually afford. Okay. Um, it was that was really tough. Yeah. Um, we toughed it out for another six months. I bounced around from a, a bunch of different jobs. I was I was a bartender for Earls. I moved to Milestones um, as a waiter. Um, I got a job at the keg, but never started it. Um, <laughs> I ended up at a little boutique hotel, uh, L'Hermitage, on Robson Street in Vancouver as their uh, food and beverage supervisor. Okay. Um, they were just kind of starting out. They didn't really have all the staff that they needed at the time. Um, their previous super, uh, F&B supervisor had quit. Their head chef had quit. Um, all their wait staff had quit. It was just me and Gone two show. gals from housekeeping that ran food and beverage. We would set up a buffet every morning and uh, do the breakfast service and uh, do lunch service. And then we'd kind of close things off. Set up Sometimes for I'd come back Friday and yeah, it was, it was tough, but it was, you know, you got to try and claw together some money. We really tried to make that year work, but ultimately it didn't. Um, I was living on my line of credit um, yeah. more and more. And I think by the end of, after 12 months of trying to make things work in BC, I collectively, um, my girlfriend and I, we had like $25,000 of debt. Yeah. And we reached a point where we weren't going to be able to pay rent the next month. Um, oh, so we sublet the apartment and then sent a letter to the landlord said, Hey, we've, because it was, there was a provision in the lease that allowed us to do it. We said, look, we found, we found you a new tenant. Um, we've got all the paperwork ready. Either we're going to sublet it or we can just, you can let us off the hook and we'll just give you the new tenant. And then we're out of the picture. And the landlord was like, yeah, great. Like just fine. Get out of here. Then I'll, I'll take it over. Cause he didn't want to deal with us. Like the levels yeah, of sublet. Um, I got a U-Haul truck packed up our stuff with some friends, drove it back to Calgary, put it into storage in Calgary. And, um, I started making phone calls. I called TELUS back up. Um, TELUS said, yeah, you know, we'd be happy to have you back. There's probably some roles, but we're not, nothing's open for, for a few months. I'm like, yeah. Okay. Market, right. 2008, 2009. Now market's still not great. Um, I ended up in though at Shaw. Shaw was doing a hiring spree. I just lucked out. I called them on a Thursday or I, I sent in an application on a Thursday. They called me on the Friday. They said, we can do interviews on Monday. I did the wow. interview on Monday. I was working in their, or I was in their training class by the end of the week. Um, I was a technical support rep in their satellite uh, call center um, uh, by the end of that week and slowly starting to chip away at, at paying off the, uh, the line of credit. Eventually an opportunity opened up again at TELUS, okay. this time in the call center. Um, so I was taking live uh, phone calls in their uh, support center. Um, they pay better than Shaw. So I, I told Shaw, I said, guys, I said, I'm not coming to work on Monday. Uh, it is what it is. I had a happy experience there, but the pay just wasn't as good. So off to TELUS I went. And I just plugged away at TELUS. Um, lots of overtime. Learned what I could in the call center. And I think I, I was a little concerned at this point because I, I wasn't sure how to get back into a, a business analyst role. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a lot of anxiety over that. You know, have I, have I screwed up my career? Right. Yeah. Am I going to be trapped? Yeah. I, I talked to, uh, folks that had been there for a long time. And I, I said, like, where do people go? 
for I'm, I've got my foot back in the door. I'm I'm entry level. I don't know enough of this new department that I'm in to know like where should where should I be looking? And they said, well, people either go to business sales because it's more lucrative. You get commission there, mm-hmm. right? Um, some people go into the field, they become technicians, right? Yeah. Um, others just move up the chain. They, they you want to be a team manager. Maybe you get the ops. Maybe you get to director levels if, if leadership is your thing. Um, for people that just don't know what they want to do, but they want a little bit of an easier job than getting yelled at on the phone all day, we have um, an off-queue team. These are the people that fix problems. Ah, okay. I can fix problems. Okay. And they said, well, yeah, but it's really hard to get in. It's a small team, about six or seven on a department of maybe 300. Um, you got to have years of experience to get there. So good luck. And I said, oh, shoot. How am I going to, what do Here I gonna go. do to, to get over there? Right. Well, I got, there's luck again. The manager from that team was walking past and I overheard him say something. He said, I wish I had somebody who knew how to do wholesale orders. <sighs> okay. I got somebody online. I said, please hold. I put him on hold. I turned around. I said, I used to work in the wholesale department. I said, I know how to do wholesale orders. I can do them all day, every day, no matter, like, no problem. And he, wow. he looks at me and says, who the heck are you? And I said, I, I used to work in the wholesale department. I said, I worked there for a year. I was a, I was a service rep there. I was a business analyst there. I said, if you need uh, contacts, if, if you're having trouble making headway in that team, you need somebody to do networking or actually get stuff done. I said, I can do it. He said, great. I picked up the phone. I was I finished talking to the customer. I said, you wanted to cancel, right? Yeah, your services are cut off. Done. Um, and I'm over to the new team. I started on the new team the next week. I, I just need to. That was luck. That was that was luck. I shaved years off of my, you know, trying to figure out how to get up the ladder just with that one um, interaction. It's it's luck, but I I would also add that you had your ears open for that opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. And for those of you that don't know, um, this is the first time we're meeting. We were connected through a mutual friend, and when I asked her about you, the first thing she said was. You're, you are an absolute expert in finding mentors, but also finding smart people or having your ears open to these people mm-hmm. and kind of, and I'm seeing a constant theme here where you're striking when the opportunity is hot. So I, I would say it's not just, it's making sense yeah. to me what she said. It's not just, it, it is luck that you just heard that, but you actually put your hand up and you went, Hey, uh, yeah, I did wholesale yeah. orders and yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to call that out because it's a it's a constant theme I'm seeing. No, it's it's fair. I I, I do the luck. I think comes into play though. Like I, that first day on that team, they sent me a list. They said, "Here's a bunch of wholesale orders. Get them done." Now, here's the thing: <laughs> I never actually did wholesale orders in that department. I worked um... in the wholesale department, but my those macros that I wrote. They were, it was a specialized function of one tiny little team. It had nothing to do with what I actually ended up doing on this, on this new team. I had to pick up the phone and call a bunch of friends. I oh. called the wholesale department. I was like, Hey, it's Steven. You remember me from like two years ago? I need to know how to do this. Can you send me a job aid? Can you put me in touch with someone who actually does it? Can, can I talk to your help desk? Um, and I, I ended up making some connections that were able to help me through that um, in a way that I, you know, I, I wouldn't have been able to do on my own. 
So you're not just asking them for advice. You're actually asking, do you know anybody that would know this? And can I talk to them mm -hmm. as well? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, the networking, I, I maybe I haven't gone into it as much in our conversations yet, but just like the networking and getting to know people and building trust and relationships with them so that I can just pick up the phone and call them and that, and that they're comfortable. I, Carol's, our mutual friend, Carol is a perfect example. I, she was willing to vouch for me and yeah. say, Amir, you should, you should talk to this guy, right? If I'd called you cold, we wouldn't be doing this. No. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, awesome. So you, you found some friends, you connected and you, now you're doing wholesale orders. Um, you've got that. I'm off out. the, I'm off the queue anyways. It's a, it's a cushier job, right? Okay. It, it was, it was a cushier job. Um, but it, it, I think it came with like a dollar an hour raise. Okay. okay. Like nothing to scoff at, but where do I go now is still, is still the question, right? Um, there was now a, I got exposure to a smaller team. It was a team of three mm -hmm. that did the reporting and the analytics for our broader team. I said, okay, that's the next, okay. that's where I want to go. Yeah. Um, my experience now, I was, I, I waited it out. It was maybe another six months or so, uh, posting came up within that team. Um, and I, I applied on that. Um, I wasn't successful okay. um, when when I applied on that. That team had a very they had a ten point checklist, hmm. and they interviewed a few candidates, and you got a point for everything on their ten point checklist. I didn't hit all of the ten points. I there was experience that I didn't have related to that team, or there were knowledge gaps, things about that team that I didn't know. Right. One of their questions was, "What is this team's standard operating procedure when X happens?" I said, "Well." How am I supposed to know that, right? Like, again, you can't get experience if you don't have experience. But I didn't know it. But it highlights the point to me again. It's I could have asked. I could have. I could have asked to do a sit-in with that team earlier. I could have. I could have talked to people that have been on that team before. I could have done more homework and gotten the answers to those questions, and I didn't. I did. It was funny though. As they came back and they said, "You know what? We actually changed our ten-point question to be 15 because." you had a whole bunch of other qualities that we never even thought to ask about that we would have loved to have had, but because they weren't on our 10 point list, we didn't give you any credit for them. So we didn't offer you the role. Was, that was, was, that was, boy, that was, that was a deflation to my balloon, but um, that's life, right? Yeah. Yeah. Luck would have it. Not, not, not a month later, another, it was a three person team. Not a month later, another member of that team left position Perfect. opened up. And I said, I, I showed up. I said, I, I, I have all 15 points. Like, just give me the job. We're done. <laughs> right. And so, yeah, I got in, I got in on that team at that point. And now I'm back. I'm doing performance analysis again. I'm doing reporting again. Um, I'm getting to work with databases and building, uh, you know, Excel reports. Um, and that, that role led to growth. Okay. I was able to move from, from BA one to BA two to senior BA I was able to get exposure now into backend systems um, analysis and database administration, um, ETL, um, extract, transform, load, working with different database systems. Um, that was a real game changer. And that's where I spent the next uh, you know, four or five years of like growing my, um, uh, my skill set. Okay. Awesome. And there's, I, I wanted to also, uh, call it another theme I'm seeing. And for the listeners who might be hearing that uh, you're talking about the, the wage and how it didn't seem like much, but what I'm hearing from you is that you 
money isn't the only scope. Obviously, it's very important. But when you were looking ahead, you were you were also looking at like how much time off do they have? Like what? Oh, for sure. What's their family like? So you, it seems like you have that kind of scope and like money, but also what are their lives like outside of work? <laughs> like, absolutely. I I I don't want to roll where it it consumes me. Right. Yeah. I, I want that, I, you know, Monday to Friday, I want stable hours again. You know, it's a guy coming off graveyard shifts, right? If <laughs> yeah. I think back, right. I don't want to do that again. Right. Yeah. Um, and we didn't go into it in, um, when I was in college, it wasn't just that graveyard shift. That wasn't enough to pay the bills. I worked three days a week for two hours, um, in the afternoons after school at the school i did um uh, it was like stock taking in their food and beverage like okay. um, like inventory reconciling and... like reports and stuff yeah inventory okay. reporting so i did that did that three days a week two hours and then on saturday and sunday i would take the sky train back out to surrey i was still working on the weekends at the sport check out there oh my god in in the wall sunday area? through sunday uh in the uh strawberry hill Okay. Okay. Nice. You know, the, 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 you might know like the Cineplexes there. Guildford, the, like, I think. Chapters in Starbucks and a yeah. Anyways, okay. I, I saw. Anyways. Yeah. Sorry. Um, Distracted. It was just it, working all these hours. I had no life. I didn't sleep. It was brutal. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I got through it. I didn't want to go back to that again. I no. sleep is like <laughs> so sleep good. is more important to me than money. I yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Want, I want a nice routine where I can go to bed at the same time every day and get up in the morning and feel rested. Um, I don't want to pull all nighters um, yeah. anymore. And so I'm looking for roles that have you know good stability. Um, yeah. Okay. So you're, you're in that you're in that role now. So what's the next step for you? What's what's the next leap you take? Um. The the biggest shift was moving from front end to back end. Okay. So front end reporting and then getting into the back end. One of the BA roles that I had, um, we had a partner team that did all the back end work. They were managing Microsoft SQL Server and Oracle databases okay. that would bring in the data from all around the company and consolidate it, transform it, clean it up with their business rules, and get it ready for the front end teams to use in their uh, reporting. Okay. And I was tasked with supporting a team that was really small and we didn't have a lot of, there wasn't a lot of ROI, like return on investment in getting this backend data engineering team to, to pull all their data because they did so many custom little tiny things yeah. that it wasn't worth the, the effort to, to bring in these, these data engineers to do it. Hmm. I went into the office one night. Oh, we're, that's, I, it's so long ago. It doesn't matter. I went to the office one night. I showed, I, I, I showed up at the office. It's like 11 o'clock at night. Swipe my badge, go upstairs. There was a woman I knew had gone on maternity leave. Yeah. So I took the computer out from under her desk and I moved it over to my desk and I plugged, I had to, I had to go find a long enough land cable so I could still find a port to plug the damn thing in. But I plugged it in. I wiped the hard drive and I, I installed a licensed version of Oracle that was paid for. Um, By who? And I, I had an Oracle database running on this uh, rogue PC <laughs> under my desk. And I used that Oracle database to set up uh, the automations and ETL jobs. Uh, I created a bunch of linked servers, like DB links, database links uh, to what I needed. Started pulling in all the data, cleaning it all up, and automating using VBA and Excel Let's go. Um, and Outlook to send out email reports to people on their on their team's performance metrics. Um, 
that caught the attention of the back end team. They were like, <laughs> you need to cut this out, right? Um, but they let me join them. They said, Stephen, they said, you know, you're at a point where you could continue to progress as a senior business analyst. I was a BA2 okay. at this point. Um, you can continue to progress to senior and, and we're all happy to support you in the, that, that front end role. Or you can stay a junior and you can come and join this back end team and you can learn from these guys. And I said, absolutely. I, I'm coming over. I want to learn from you guys. I'm now surrounded by folks that have mathematics degrees, uh, science degrees, uh, like computer science degrees. Uh, they've been working in this field for years. They're experts. And I am now the sponge, right? Throw everything you can at me and let me learn. And, and working on this was a, an MIS, a management uh, information systems team. Um, and they taught me the bulk of what I know today um, when it comes to data management um, and data engineering. I, I love that it, was, it wasn't it was even like, a di like, you didn't even have to think about the decision. You knew you wanted to no, do it. No. You gave up what yeah. sounds like it would have been a higher salary to start with if you continue to go down this other path, yeah. but you chose, you chose the team. I'm going to be surrounded with smart people. And like you said, I can be a sponge and just like, how could you, how could you not take that? Yeah. Yeah. And you, like for me anyways, I, it was a no brainer, no brainer. Yeah. yeah it, it reminds me of the, the saying, like you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And like right there, like you're summarizing like all their, their mathematic degrees that they can summarize for you instead of you going to school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was just a wonderful opportunity. Okay. Um, that, where did that go? So I was never able to break the barrier back to senior on that team. Hmm. Um, I was, I, it was like a carrot always dangling in front of me, this senior title and I could never quite get there. And there, I think the catalyst that caused change, my director and my manager yeah. who I'd been working with to get, they've been dangling that carrot. They left for other roles outside the company, both oh. of them in a very short period of time together. And I thought new manager, new director, org changes going on around us. How am I going to, keep moving up. Yeah. I'm in trouble. I just, I'm stalled now. It's going to take me a couple of years to figure out what I got to do to get to that senior level. I don't, I don't see that clear path in front of me anymore. Now that those, those leaders are gone. My relationship with the manager, um, still to this day, a, a treasured relationship. His brother was working, I think at a, at a different organization, um, up in Edmonton okay. and they were looking to roll out or implement a, um, a new BI initiative where they were bringing in Tableau. Now I dabbled in Tableau through my experience at TELUS, um, but we were more of a Microsoft shop, uh, SQL Server reporting services and such, um, SharePoint reporting, Excel. Yeah. But I, I knew of Tableau. Well, my manager was kind enough to oversell me and, and tout me as an expert. And uh, I, I ended up driving up to Edmonton and having lunch with the hiring manager. And we got to talking and, you know, what are you looking for? And I told, I said, I'm, I'm looking for a senior title. I don't care what I do, you know what you want. but I want a senior title. That's where I'm at now in my career. I want senior in front of my name. And it was the most important thing to me. And he said, well, I'll pay you 40% more than you're making it. Tell us, and I'll put a senior title in front of your name. And I was like, I'll move to Edmonton tomorrow. Let's do this. <laughs> Awesome. Um, 
my wife didn't appreciate that. Um, I probably should have talked to her before I made a spur of the moment decision. I didn't end up moving to Edmonton, but I did work there uh, for the next year. I would commute um, from Calgary to Edmonton. And how and I would stay a week, uh, you know, Monday to Thursday up in Edmonton, and I'd come back home on the weekends. How long of a drive is that? Um, three hours, three and a half hours each way. Okay. Okay. So I didn't make any money that year. That 40% was me staying in Airbnbs and in hotels and paying for gas and the extra insurance on the car. Um, so financially, it was a terrible decision. Hmm. But career-wise, it was it was awesome. Um, they, um, oh boy, I should have got more things in writing. They actually clawed the senior title away in the final job offer letter. But at that point, I'd already told TELUS, like, I'd rejected their counter and I was doing this and I told everybody I was doing this. And so I ended up going and taking the role without the senior title. And I was so, wow, that was not a good, that boy, did I feel bad, right? I, you know, somebody's pulled the wool over my eyes. So um, if, if I can stop there, uh, if I can sure, stop yeah, there, the, the, recap some of that. Um, the 40% increase. Yes. That's you still got that. They didn't claw back on that. Did they? So, okay. <laughs> two things. They had the worst accounting software on the planet. <laughs> Because you get paid, you're on salary, you get paid every two weeks, right? Yeah. Every, on a, on a two-week pay uh, structure, every 11 years, there will be one extra paycheck. Because the first paycheck, like, shows up on January 1st, okay. right? It's, it's paying you for December, like, 14th to the, to the 30th. And you, so you get paid on, like, January 1st. Yeah. And then that, that's going to happen, like, every 11 years. Well, that means there's one extra paycheck that year. According to their accounting, and I'm still steamed about this, according to their accounting software, they take your yearly salary and they divide it by the number of paychecks. So in the 11th year, your paychecks are lower. Huh. That is, that is, I'm getting angry for you. Like that's just a. So no, I didn't get the 40%. I got the 40% minus. Okay. One paycheck. It wasn't a huge, it was like 4% or something like that, but still it peeved me. Yeah. Uh, but still, this was too, I'm going to go, I got to go one step further. Cause I'm not done yet. Okay, I'm gonna hear it. Let's, let's hear it. This was 2014. I went to this company in, I think it was October or November. Yeah. October, November, maybe December, even a couple of weeks after I joined the company, oil prices tanked. They implemented a mandatory two-week unpaid leave for every employee. So I lost another two weeks of pay. Um, and then they started letting people go left, right, and center. Every day that I was in the office, there was another empty seat. Over the next 90 days, nearly 50% of the employees in that office were gone. Holy crap. It was just a miserable environment. I, people try to their credit. There's still good people there and they try, yeah. but it, that's a tough environment to yeah. be in. And I see so with all these people letting, being let go, you know, I, who am I to come in and say like, I want that senior title or, you know, so no, I just swallowed it. I was happy to have a job. I'm happy to be employed. Um, but it wasn't great. And so I, 
within within a couple of months of being there, I was immediately back on the phone with uh, other employers and even Telus going like, Take me back. "This isn't not where I'm going to stay, not where I'm going to stay." But I did need to make the most of it, and mm-hmm. I, I'll, I'll share a little bit about that with you. I just I'll pause in case you had any follow up questions. Yeah, me. no. Uh, what, what I was wondering about was because oddly enough, I'm in this kind of push forward for that senior title. Um, what was it about the senior title that was important to you outside of just like the raise? Cause obviously that senior title was significant. I, it meant a lot to me. It really did. Um, I'm, I'm no longer emotionally attached to my title. I, I change my title every week now and it doesn't matter what you call me. Uh, but back then it meant a lot. I, I really looked up to and respected the the seniors of the teams that I had worked with and that I had partnered with. I had a ton of respect and admiration for them. And I, I wanted to be the type of person that others admired and respected and looked to as a mentor. I didn't feel like I would get that respect or could achieve that from a, from a junior uh, title. Yeah. I, looking back, I, I think that's wrong. I, I think you can be a leader. You can be a senior in, in any role, in any title, but Young me, it meant a lot to me. It it, it meant the world to me. It's, I was, it, I was it carries to the reputation. It. it carries the reputation, yeah. right? So, um, yeah, okay, that's something I'm kind of curious about in my own career journey because like, you got the salary there, which is usually what people want. I mean, they know that senior title comes with a salary, but it was something significant yeah. about that that title that was important to you at the time. Um, so I'll, I'll go back to where you were about to kick off as well. Yeah. Um, I got, I, I keep coming back to luck because I really do believe it. Um, as part of this program, uh, launching Tableau within this organization, we needed to train mm-hmm. dozens, close to a hundred analysts on how to use the darn tool. Mm-hmm. Now you can bring someone in from, from Tableau or from a third party organization and they can charge you several grand for a week. Yeah. They'll put you through a training course and you get there. Or you can send one guy to Tableau headquarters, get them accredited as a trainer, and then bring them back and they can train your whole organization. Now, this wasn't my idea. This was the project manager's idea. Okay. And he really pushed for this um, to get the funding for it. And we used the, I think there was like an Alberta or a federal uh, grant that like pays back the employer two thirds or a third of, of any like training that leads to a certificate. Um, so, you know, put the whole package together, said, Hey boss, you know, this is what you're going to be on the hook for, but these are the savings. If you let me go become a Tableau trainer, I'll come back. I'll train your whole company on this. So that's what we did. I get to go meet uh, Tableau down in Seattle and work with their training team. I came back. I was, uh, in 2015, first Canadian to be accredited as a Tableau trainer. No way. And, uh, I was, I went all around BC and Alberta as a corporate trainer. Uh, training that organization's um, uh, business analyst in, in how to use the software. Um, had a blast doing it. I, I really enjoyed that. I, uh, teaching um, unlocked for me uh, a new passion that I, I didn't really know was going to be there. Um, but I've, I I love doing that now. So Beautiful. And um, just for the audience, a opportunity. And, and just for the audience, um, what is Tableau if like I'm a smart 12-year-old? Like, and how is it different from anything else? Sure. Um, Tableau allows you to build pretty reports. You put, you put data in and outcome pretty graphs and charts and, and visualizations, um, more technical sense. It's data visualization software. 
right? Okay. Um, it sits on top of you know databases or, or other data structures, um, and you use it to report you know KPIs and metrics back to your organization. Okay, uh, that's so... that's your Excel. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's well, <laughs> for somebody I... that did outside of the industry. Yeah. Well, I work for Salesforce, and a lot of like, how it was introduced me well, was just like, okay. yeah, it's just it's just a fancy Excel sheet, but it does a lot more yeah. like in the back end. Um, and okay, so you. That's so cool that you're the first Canadian like certified instructor. That that's yeah. Oh man, I didn't know that. That's that's, that's wicked. Um, and we'll continue on, but I I, I want to hear about how you ended up becoming an adjunct professor at UBC as well, and how that came to be. But um, of course, of course, we can. I maybe we can skip a couple of things because you know. So I was at that company for for the year. Mm -hmm. um, I knew it wasn't the organization I wanted to be with. I, they were having trouble um, financially. It was it was just a tough environment yeah. with so many people being let go, and the way that they you know clawed back the senior title and the issues with pay and stuff. It just it left a bad taste for me. Um, nothing that I think you know we couldn't have gotten over, but the that combined with it being in Edmonton, yeah. and you know I I wasn't my wife wasn't really ready to relocate. Her family was here in Calgary. Um, we wanted to get to a point where we could start a family. Yeah. Um, and as, as that became more and more important to us, the, the thought of leaving the rest of our family here in Calgary and then and going up to Edmonton, it didn't make sense. No. Um, so what, we're going to overcome that. So I started looking back at, uh, roles in Calgary and, um, that, that first, um, fellow that I'd interviewed with back in that wholesale department at TELUS. Um, we'd stayed in touch and, uh, he eventually hired me back on, on a new team that he was leading at TELUS. And I joined his team as a performance analysis consultant. That's... And that's where I met our mutual friend, Carol. Okay. That, okay. I was going to say with the timeline, I'm like, I don't think Carol was in Canada at that time. Initially. That would have put us around 2016, I think. Okay. And at this point, another, another thing I want to kind of harp on here is uh, how you develop relationships because i think people think that relationships have to be these things where like you're checking in on each other every day or every week but it sounds like with you like you you just had a great time during your instance with them and then you created a relationship where you could call them years down the line right yeah yeah, it's a, it's not, you know, you don't have to see these people every week or go over for dinner, you know, once a month. Um, but you make the right connection and you make a genuine connection, yeah. right? Like these are people that I, I care about. And I, I believe they care about me. They've certainly uh, demonstrated that they that they do. Um, and yeah, those are, those relationships don't just go away. Like they're they're there. You pick up the phone, right? Call them back, send them an email. LinkedIn now is a, is a fantastic way of, of staying in touch. I use that for... Um, um, you know, just reaching out to people, say hi, check in how they're doing in their career and their family, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. Like they would have done the same for you that, or you would have done the same for them as they've done I would for have, you. Absolutely. Right? I would have done the same for them. No question. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a sign of a good, genuine relationship, especially like in the business setting as well. Um, so we, you know, adjunct professor, okay, let me fast forward a little bit. So now senior consultant or, um, PA consultant at okay. TELUS, it's kind of the top of the food chain mm -hmm. until you get to like team manager or director levels, yeah. right? Consultant is, is pretty much the, the highest that we had at the time there. Um, worked with their business marketing department, like Tableau, uh, 
Lava Storm ETL SQL Server SaaS. Um, okay. I did a little bit of a jump back to that one of the teams I'd worked with earlier in my career. They put up a posting for a, a data visualization consultant, and that role reported right to a director, no manager in the middle. Interesting. And I thought, huh. That could be interesting working uh, and reporting right to a director. And I, I knew the director from previous roles. I knew the people on that team. Many of the people on that team were those, those educated and well-skilled uh, individuals that had helped me out earlier in my career develop my, my back-end data engineering skills. And so I said, you guys are looking for a Tableau guy? Yeah. Let's get an interview going. I want to I be in on this. And, and sure enough, I, I, got, uh, I got accepted on that role. It actually didn't, there was a reorg uh, like three months into it. And so it, I, new director came in, didn't know them. New director doesn't know me, said, "Ah, I don't want you reporting directly to me. I'm busy enough, right? I got this whole new org I just took over. I need some team managers that I can trust and I'm going to delegate to them. I don't, I don't need some consultant reporting to me. You can report to a team manager. I thought, ah, that didn't last. I wanted, I wanted to be at the leadership table. That was kind of my next goal. Okay. Um, so I started looking for other um, roles where I could report to a director and uh, a colleague uh, who was a, a team manager, he was managing a, like an analytics team. They were hiring another analytics manager and said, Hey, you should come over here. There's a, there's an opening. Um, my director's great. Uh, we'd love to interview you and, and get you over here. Um, that ended up being a really good transition for me. Okay. So now I'm in a leadership role. I got a tiny little team of, of, uh, I think we have three people on the team. So I'm more like a working manager, right? Technical team lead type thing. Um, but it got my foot into the door to leadership. And I did that for, from what, 2017, 18, 19. Okay. And just 18, 19, 20. Very Anyways, quickly. Yeah. Are you, you, you had your scopes on having that direct relationship with a direct, with a director. Um, Mm-hmm. Was that just so you could be a sponge again and see how they're doing their job and what they're doing? Exactly. I wasn't sure if individual contributor, like a consultant, um, was my final career point yeah. or if I wanted to keep going up the chain, right? Is it is it director? Is it VP? Is it president? Is it yeah. CEO? Like, where do I really want to go, yeah. right? Do I want to lead people or do I want to be an expert? And that was kind of the, I, I could see that this was a fork in the road for for folks who were at my point in their career. Um, I, I contemplated going back to school. We'd go back to this was, was college worth it? Yeah. Um, TELUS actually offered to pit me, uh, through, um, an MBA program. Oh, um, I said no. Um, and I tried doing one course <laughs> online on my own first, just to sort of dip my foot in the water. And I, I could not keep up. If I've got free time, I'm going to spend it learning something that is directly applicable to my job in the moment or something that's like super interesting to me um trying to get through school and and further education at this point was just it was really hard for me um even just like level 101 courses i think i took i I took like an accounting 101 or a comp sci 101 over time i've done a couple where i've tried to just get through a course and i i can't and so for telus's offer the mba I, i i said i appreciate it that'd be awesome but you, you still expect me to do my day job, but I'm not going to be good at my day job if I'm trying to balance both. So um, ultimately, I, I didn't go down that path. 
I, I love that because it's something I've, I'm deciding some former guests have been trying to d decide, like, do I get an MBA? And I would have never yeah. thought to just go take a course, one course, get your, get your foot in the water, just try, just yeah. see what it feels yeah. like and w what your life is like outside of it. And that's, uh, that's very interesting. I was about to ask like, why you didn't choose to take that MBA path, but that makes total sense. If I was going to go up the leadership path. I think it would become more important. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that would open up more doors. I, I, I get the sense that I'd probably be capped at a director level without it. I think if I wanted to get up to VP or higher, I, I think that MBA would become almost a requirement. I suppose that differs by, by industry and, and whatnot. But um, when I was looking at it um, back then, that was kind of the conclusion that I came to. Do, um, do you think it... It, it would but, be important because of the reputation it would give you with an MBA in your title, or would it be the relationships that it got you? I think both okay. are, are, are come from that, right? I I saw at Telus there was a very you know close knit alumni of individuals that had gone through right. Telus sponsors a lot of its employees to go through an MBA program. They go through the same school, they go through at the same time, and these the relationship that those leaders then form with one another. I, they, they continue to move up the chain together. Yeah. Right. And they, they know they can rely on one another and it, and it builds the relationship. I, I think that's okay. Crazy valuable. Yeah. Um, but ultimately I, I decided that that leadership was not where my passions lie. Yeah. I love being a technical expert. Yeah. I love being someone that people can go to as a, as a trusted advisor. Mm -hmm. I love problem solving on my own, um, or, or working with a team and, and, you know, what I do and what you do together becomes better than what either one of us could have done individually. And I want to contribute with my hands rather than just providing the guidance and the strategy. Yeah. Um, so after, um, about three years as a manager, um, was when I transitioned to my, my most recent, uh, venture, which is, um, uh, consulting, but sort of in between here and back to your, your question about adjunct professor, while I was at TELUS, uh, UBC, uh, the university of British Columbia reached out to, um, their past alumni, mm. some of which are, are here at TELUS. And they said, look, we're teaching, um, a course on, uh, data visualization. It's part of our Masters of Business Analytics program. It's a condensed course. It's only going to be maybe one week or two weeks. We, they didn't quite have the timeline figured out at that point. Um, but like a full time during, during that tight period. And they need to get somebody in to teach it. And they said, we've struggled in the past. The feedback from students has been, although the instructors, good instructors, and they can, they can teach from the textbooks, they don't have the industry experience um, that the students are looking good for, for UBC. And so they wanted to, they wanted to see if they could bring somebody in and they thought, you know, tell us if you'll continue to pay somebody, one of your employees, you know, their full-time wage, we can top up and give them the teacher's compensation, which is, uh, I, th I thought was a, a respectful amount, but they said, apparently people who do this stuff want more. I, to me, I'd never done it before. I thought it was a great amount. Um, they said they were really struggling though to find instructors who would come in and just teach for that that short amount of time or that had the industry experience that their students were looking for and so they they asked tell us you know would you you know help sponsor one of your employees to do this we can build this relationship um and my reputation um at tell was was good enough that you know there were lots of people that were willing to vouch for me um i had a colleague send my name up to one of the vps 
and say, hey, I, Steven's, you know, demonstrated X, Y, Z. Would, would you be interested in, you know, helping sponsor him to do this for, for UBC? Um, and they were kind enough to do so um, or, or offer to do so. Yeah. As it turns out, I quit TELUS before the adjunct professor gig came oh, no. up. So my, my funding from TELUS was gone, <laughs> but I'd already said yes and, and accepted. So yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow through on that. Okay. Um, so yeah, back in October, um, yeah, in October, I, I flew out to, to Vancouver, um, did uh, the week-long course uh, with them, and uh, they brought in a co-instructor. Okay. So someone who had a background in teaching, she's a, she's a full-time professor, uh, but didn't have industry experience with things like Tableau or Google BigQuery um, and that, but okay. we were able to support one another, right? As co-instructors, yeah. um, she taught from like a Harvard Business Review textbook. And then I would teach the practical side, right? Let's, this is Tableau desktop. Let's, let's do it. Let's build some visualizations and dashboards and let's connect to Google BigQuery. And um, I could talk about my industry experience yeah. and, and practical knowledge where the other instructor couldn't. So valuable for the students. Really well. Dynamic duo of instructors right there. I, I think so. I, they, yeah, I, most of our feedback was the most negative feedback was that the course wasn't long enough. They wanted, they wanted more time with us. They wanted to spend longer doing this, right? Uh, we condensed it into only a week. So that, that's excellent. Um, so, uh, so the UBC side, yeah, it sounds like that went very well, uh, but you'd already made the leap to the next step, which is where you are today. So what actually, mm -hmm. what was the decision-making process there to go kind of independent? Cause I know that's a struggle for a lot of people. I, about. Oh, there's so lot. There, there's a lot here to unpack. Yeah. Um, as a manager at Telus, I was faced with a lot of tough situations. Yeah. Um, supporting the exit of team members, deciding which team members needed to be exited. Those. Oh, that took a toll on me. Yeah. I, individuals that I'd worked with for for years, I had to support their departure. Yeah. Um. Or, or encourage them that, you know, they needed to support their own departure because something was coming, right? Yeah. Um, I didn't enjoy that. You're the Grim Reaper. Um, yeah, that was tough. We were, we were in this constant state of um, business reorg in, in my department through, through those years. It's just constant change. And I'm okay with constant change as an individual, but when I'm responsible for others, uh, that was really hard for me. Um, I think we got through it. I had good support from, from my director and my VP and, and the rest of the leaders there, uh, my, my, my team manager peers, but it was, it was tough. And then I realized the skills that I had developed as a technical expert were getting rusty. And when I, when I wanted to try to apply them, I ended up micromanaging team members mm -hmm. because I want, I'm, oh, no, do it this way and use this code. And that wasn't the kind of manager that I'd appreciated in the past. And it wasn't the kind that I wanted to be. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to figure out a path back to individual contributorship. And my leadership worked with me on that. They were open to it. We, we tried a short transition into program management. Okay. So not, not directly leading a team, but, but still leading a program or a project. Um, I really enjoy certain aspects of PMing, but it's a lot of meetings. It's a lot of coordination. And as much as I, I like that, 
I was still, I was still missing that hand. And so I said, no, I don't quite have my teeth sunk into that. And I just, I said, I, I had to find, I had to find something that was individual uh, role. There were some opportunities at TELUS, but as I was applying on those, I going to throw out my lines. I started applying on other roles as well, uh, outside, outside the company. And when I, I was approached by a company in the United States okay, and they said, look, you know, we've, we haven't hired a Canadian before. How would this work? Hmm. And I, I said, um, I not knowing how it would work myself. I just bluffed. I said, Oh, I, I'm sure it's really easy. I'll just send you the paperwork. I'll send you an invoice. They said, well, what do you have? Like you have a company. And I said, yeah, I've, I've got a sole proprietorship <laughs> knowing that I, I kind of figured that those were easy enough to set up. So sure. I like, we can do this. Um, and then, you know, as soon as we hung up the phone, I did immediately Google, like, how do I set up a sole proprietorship? Um, when, when, <laughs> it was just, let's get her done. Um, I had to get insurance, set up business bank accounts and all of that stuff. But, uh, that opened my eyes to opportunities that I, I didn't even know were possible. Right. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't find a competing offer for full-time employment in Canada that was at, at that level. Yeah. Um, there was one consulting firm here in Canada. I did a little bit of work with, um, as a full-time employee and they, like, they subcontracted me out for, for a short period of time. Um, but it was on the West coast. Mm. And so now I'm right. I'm in Calgary working West coast hours. So a little bit later in the day, yeah. they like to have meetings late in the day. And yeah. Didn't work out my, my lifestyle. Um, the, the companies that I work with now are on the East coast. I love that. You want me to wake up early in the morning? I can do that. Good morning Go to person. Bed early, I can do that. Finish the day around three o'clock, four o'clock. Perfect. Now this is my bag. Let's let's do this. So um, working now as like a data visualization expert and and consulting um, uh, on on Tableau related projects. Oh, and I love that. Amazing. It sounds like you found the perfect world where you get to choose what you actually want to work on as well. And I, I love that you just answered confidently and it was just like, you probably Googled, how do I start a business in Canada? I'm sure. I, yeah. And it was the first like ad in Google that popped up. RBC had paid for the top spot. So I, I went through RBC and set it all up. That's just the way it is. And it's so funny. And um, the, the tr former trombone player that I interviewed also just did this recently in the new year where you just set up he had someone reach out to him. This is like Salesforce specific. Yeah. And he was like, uh, I guess I'll start an LLC. And then just took off. That's something that both through college and, and through work experience, um, I've come to realize is there's not a whole lot that's brand new, right? What are the odds that I'm going to be asked to do something that has never been achieved before? Probably pretty low, yeah. right? Or, or at the very least, something darn similar has been done before. I'm sure there's people out there that have documented their experiences, that even maybe it's companies that maybe you got to pay for their knowledge of, but it's out there. Yeah. You just have to find it and tap into it. So I feel pretty confident saying that even if I don't know, I can figure it out because I'm going to be able to find somebody who knows and I can get it out of them. Yeah. And it's that finding somebody um, that you, you seem to be particularly good at. And what like, I actually made a note here that like, I, I'm starting to realize now is that when people leave, like your manager and director did, they go to different companies and your reaction is, oh shit. Like, it just looks terrible. Like, well, what do I do? Yeah. 
but there's a silver lining there in that you just kind of got a broad exposure. You just broaden your exposure of your network because they are in different companies. Now that manager has a, was it a, a brother or a sibling that they connected? I think it was his, his brother worked at, worked at that other company up in Edmonton. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. So he knew somebody, you know, the colleague there that was hiring for their team. Right. And that, it, it, he never would have recommended me for a role in another company if he himself hadn't left. Right. If he was, if he was still with Telus, my, my network still would have been narrow. Yeah. Yeah. Super valuable. Yeah. And another thing I noted down here was I, I like that you're constantly looking inward with your career, not just money, but like, what do I like about this? What, what do I not like? I don't like being the grim reaper and make like, you know, being the deciding factor and whether someone's going to be able to get a paycheck by the end of this. Uh, I like mm -hmm. the people side, but I also, I really want to solve problems. Like that's the, that's what wakes me up in the morning. Right. Um, so I think it's super valuable for the listeners to hear that and to hear your inner dialogue as you're going through that. And it's not something that you can, I feel like it's not something you can really just think about. You need to experience it and kind of go through it and then kind of reflect yeah. as you go. Absolutely. I, I can imagine myself in all sorts of situations, right? And I can try and anticipate what that's going to be like, but I actually living it is, is what cements it for you. And it can, can, it can very easily be something completely unexpected, either positively or <laughs> negatively. <laughs> Absolutely. That's super cool. Um, before like we kind of wrap up here, there, there's some things I do kind of wonder about, um, and we're going to go way back to the beginning of, of this uh, episode. And prior sure. to that is how was college talked about in the household for you? Hmm. It's weird. Like I've been thinking about this question and, and reflecting back on, on memories. And I'm, I'm sure I've forgotten some of them. Um, college was, I was aware my father had gone, right? right. He was a CPA. Um, my mother hadn't. I didn't, I had cousins and aunts and uncles. I, I think most of them that I was aware of were involved in trades. Okay. Um, so, uh, college wasn't like a, it wasn't a big topic. Um, I don't think that we had, um, like professionals in the, in the family, you know, yeah. like doctors, lawyers, engineers, yeah. uh, as an example. Um, so it wasn't big in that sense. I, I, I always sort of anticipated that, that college or university would be a thing for me. I remember a conversation with my dad when I was maybe in my grade 11 or grade 12. And, and he was saying to me, you know, the choices that I make now are going to impact and, and provide direction on whether or not I'm going to be a blue collar worker or a white collar worker. I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> and again, here's me as a kid. I was too afraid to ask. Oh, okay. Well, like whatever. I, yeah. I just assumed I was going to go. Right. Um, but that was it. That was the pep talk from, from my father. <laughs> um, we never really talked about the finances of it though. Okay. It was never clear to me like how one would afford our budget for going to college or university. So those were learnings that I, I had to kind of figure out that, that first year or two on, on my own. Um, yeah, I got, okay. got through what I needed to, I suppose. Yeah. yeah it, it, that's an interesting thing to bring up <laughs> blue collar work or, or white collar work. And right now, I don't know, today there's a lot of those trades jobs are, man, they're paying like, cause there's such a demand for them. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
really yeah. are. I, if I could have a dream job, I suppose, and it's probably just the nostalgia behind it. Um, my mother's side of the family um, uh, work a lot in the upholstery industry. Upholstery industry. So okay. furniture, oh. yeah, furniture uh, building and upholstery. I had an uncle that specialized in uh, boat upholstery. Okay. Um, others that, uh, you know, work on like antique furniture, chairs, and, uh, you know, the fabrics and cushions and couches and all of that stuff. My grandfather had a workshop on, uh, on his land, uh, where he did a lot of that. And, uh, so the, it's still family business, um, out in BC there. Um, so I, that's kind of like, like as a dream, yeah. like if I could just walk away from everything, I'm sure it's a million, I romanticize it, right. I'm sure it's a million times harder than I imagined, but um, I think about that. I there's there's lots of opportunities out there, whether it's um, college driven or not. That your home growing up must have just been filled with just so much custom upholstery, <laughs> just like a good decor. <laughs> I'm just picturing well, it, like like rotating decor, right? Yeah. Because there'd be hand me downs, and somebody would be getting something new or something changed. And I remember the living room being in a bit of disarray. My my mom would reupholster the couches and put new fabric on them. Right? Yeah, um, that's that's yeah. awesome. Um, if, if you could talk to yourself during your college years, and I know you already said it was 10 out of 10 worth it, but if you could tell young Steven what to do more of and what to do less of, what would it be? If anything, don't go into debt, don't go into debt. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Now, I don't know if this is really relevant for people today. Maybe it's needed, but for me, looking back at it, the hardest times of my life were because of self-inflicted debt. I was trying to keep up yeah. with the other kids around me, right? They're going out on Friday and partying and drinking and they, they own a car and they can afford insurance on a car. And I, like, I couldn't, I couldn't afford that. They had, they rented a nice place or they wore nice clothes. I couldn't afford that stuff, but I have credit cards. <laughs> so sometimes I could buy that stuff. Oh, I regret that. I regret the money that I spent um, because it, it put me through, um, I think, hardship that I, I didn't need to go through. Lessons that I, I could have done without learning. I, anyway. I No, absolutely. Yeah. And I think you, it, it's funny because when you're young and you see people renting and getting a car and then getting insurance, um, one like it that doesn't necessarily mean they can afford it. That may just mean that someone at a dealership told them that they could afford it. Once you find out five years down the line, like, no, they, they couldn't afford it. They wanted to debt because of it. Yeah, that's really a really, really good point. Um, so you have a family of your own. You have a, a child of your own. Do you have one right now? I do, a daughter. She's five. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever thought about how you're going to approach the conversation around college with her? Have I thought about it? Yeah. Um, it's so far away. Yeah. I, I don't know what that'll turn into. Right. I'm, I'm happy to encourage her to explore her passions. I think I, it's important to balance your passions with something that will probably turn into a valuable, you know, degree or learnings at least. Right. I, you want to go to college to learn basket weaving 101. Okay. But understand that maybe there's not a job at the end of that, yeah. right? So, so balance what your goals are with what you're actually doing about those goals, right? Have, have realistic expectations of where that's going to lead you. I think that'll be how our conversation sort of shapes up. Yeah. And obviously when she's of age, it's going to be a whole different economy and jobs and who knows. Well, no idea what it's going to look like. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and, uh, so for me, I just I, I put a little bit away every month for her, awesome. and then hopefully that's that's there and that's enough for her to to be meaningful when the time comes. Yeah, what I'm hearing is it's a constant teeter totter of like, yeah, do chase what you're passionate about, yeah. but it's you know we are you got to pay the bills. Passions don't always keep on the, the lights in the house and everything. So, yeah. If I that trumpet behind me, if if I had the money, if 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 I had a guaranteed job, I would have gone to music school mm. after uh, high school. I would have gone to Langara College, uh, something like that. Done their music degree or music diploma. That would have made me happy. Yeah. It would have. I, I can. I, I. I regret a little bit about like not being, not not chasing that, deciding not to chase that. Um, but where would that have put me now? I don't know. I financially, it certainly wouldn't have helped me as I was going through it, and I, I don't know what it would have led to at the end. Okay. So, I'm I'm happy with the decisions I made. I I just, you know, there's other paths I wish I had an opportunity or had chosen to explore. But okay. I feel okay where I am. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. It's uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you and hearing your story. Is there anything else that you wanted to kind of bring up or uh, discuss? No, I don't think so. I, I, I appreciate your insightful questions. Um, it's been a great uh, great chat with you, Amir, as well. Um, thank you very much for taking the time. Uh, of course. And for the viewers, if someone wants to get in touch with you, uh, how do they find you? Stephen Barkello uh, on LinkedIn. Will you have my name spelled out somewhere? Yeah, it'll or? be in the show notes here and right up the description here as well for Perfect. those listening. Okay. Link, LinkedIn's the best way to, to get a hold of me. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Well, uh, I Thank had you. a great time hearing your story. Uh, I loved hearing you reflect on everything. I think it's super valuable for listeners as well. Instead of being told what they should and should, shouldn't do is actually going to people and hearing their experiences and how they were thinking about it and kind of extracting from there. With that, uh, thank you again. And I hope everyone watching has a fantastic day. Take care. Bye.